All right, good morning. Hey, that's good. Uh, welcome to worship. Glad you're here with us this day. And it is a good day to be together following. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And if you would grab your bulletins, we are going to start with a few announcements. As always, if you're a guest, please fill out the blue side on the tear-off portion of your bulletin and put it in the offering plate when it goes by. And we'd love to follow up with you about Mechanicsville Baptist, how you can get involved. And then on the other side, the yellow page has a place at the bottom for prayer requests. So just put your prayer request there and put it in the offering plate as well. And we pray with, uh, for those requests each week in our staff time. On the back are opportunities for the week. I'll make mention of a few. Is this ready as well? Yeah, the screen's just going to come down later. Nice. All right. Uh, make mention of a few as we get started here. Um, Today we do have Encounter, 5 o'clock right here, Adult Choir, Ensemble, Youth, Ensemble again, and Handbells. I love that. It's tricky. And then uh, tomorrow we do have the gym open for uh, basketball. It's just not on the schedule. That's 7 o'clock, Adult Choir rehearsal at 6. And the floors have been redone by a wonderful human being. You can give him lots of thanks later on if you would like for helping do those floors every year, which is such a blessing. I won't even call them out. All right. And uh, then Tuesday, we have our staff time. Uh, Wednesday, midweek Bible study, 11 o'clock right here. Uh, Awana Youth 412 uh, meet at 6. And then we're voting on the budget at 630 right here in the sanctuary. Connect groups, we'll, we'll sh we're going to show videos about the connect groups, which, Kevin, I did not bring the table over. I left it over in the gym. All right, so what we'll have to do is, if you want to check out the studies right after the service, uh, go over to the FLC. The table has all the materials there, but we're going to talk about those studies in a second. But we do not start this Wednesday. We uh, will start next Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're going to have the studies in the Williams room. So before or after you vote on the budget, please come over. You can check out the studies, see which of the three groups you would like to be a part of, and we would hope you would do that. Uh, so anyway, 6 o'clock this week. Just want a youth budget 6.30, and then check out the Connect Group studies. Uh, we'll start our first week next following Wednesday. All right, and then Saturday, 5 o'clock, is the Wynn Sunday School class in the FLC. Saturday? And that's a Christmas party, I'm assuming. All right, it doesn't say. It just says Sunday School class, but I'm pretty sure it's a Christmas party. All right, so 6 o'clock. This Saturday, win Sunday school class Christmas party in the FLC. Very good. All right, Linda, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Y'all must have had a lot of turkey. All right, one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, yeah. All right, I have two very important announcements about some um, exciting events coming up for our church family in December. The first one is next Sunday evening in the sanctuary, Hanging of the Greens. It will be at 7 o'clock. The kids will participate in singing, the adult choir, the ensemble, the handbells, and our children will decorate the sanctuary in front of us. So our sanctuary will be transformed into what is already beautiful, more beautiful. Is that English 
correct for all you English teachers out there. Um, please come and join us as we begin the Advent season and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There will also be a tasting in the FLC afterwards. So if you have a special Christmas goodie bake you can do and bring them over, bring a treat, sweet, salty, whatever, you know, we'll eat, um, over to the Family Life Center and join us as we begin our celebration for the month of December. Then on December 15th and 16th, Saturday and Sunday evening, we will not be doing a formal cantata here. Remember last year we were joined by Shalom Baptist. This year we have been invited to join Northside Baptist under the direction of Nancy Snyder. Nancy has, I think by the time we join them, it'll be about 50 voices in the choir, and she's got 12 to 13 instruments in the orchestra. The musical is God With Us. It is a beautiful celebration of many songs of the Christmas season. So please mark your calendars now, 7 o'clock, 15th and 16th. Join our choir with Northside's choir for God With Us, and it'll be at 7 o'clock. Thank you very much, and as always, thank you for your support for the music program here. We love you, and um, we hope you enjoy our December month. Looking forward to it. Have I gone too, over too far? No, no. I just All right, so we're going to show our – no, no videos? Not yet? Later? Or not today? Oh, in a little bit. All right. So let's go on. Go, Come on back up, Linda. All right, Becky, come on up. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord to celebrate this wonderful Thanksgiving weekend? What better way to give thanks than to be here for worship this morning? Um, I ask you to take your hymnals and get hymn number 576 ready and just kind of keep your finger in there or leave it open on your pew. We're going to stand and meet and greet for a few moments while Brenda, um, Brenda, there I go, a little, little, little anachronism there, while Linda plays and... I ask that you meet and greet each other, and then um, when I start directing, if you'll find your way back to your place, and we'll sing this wonderful praise and thanksgiving chorus, Give Thanks, on page 576. Please stand and meet and greet on this Sunday morning.
We're going to show our Connect Group videos in this service next Sunday, and then next Sunday afterwards, you'll still have time to sign up since the studies don't start until the following week anyway, and uh, so we will look forward to that. But if you would like to still go look at the studies, they're over in the FLC after the service. They brought them over. They're right back here. Well, thank you. All right. So anyway, we're looking forward to that, and we do appreciate those who lead those studies each time. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, starting in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, we do want to give you praise and gratefulness and thanksgiving for who you are, Lord Jesus. And so, God, we pray that uh, as we worship you, we would glorify you with uh, all that we are. As we open your word, that we would rejoice in the truth in which is before us, and that you've given us, and that, God, you would just make us into grateful people. God, we thank you for the opportunities we have to serve you. We thank you for the opportunities we have to uh, minister in your name, and we pray that this day, this hour, uh, your Holy Spirit would dwell and would guide and direct uh, each and every moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's join our voices in song again. Take your hymnals, please, and turn to hymn number 98, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Let's stand together as we sing. Hymn number 98.
If you would turn in your hymnals to page 31 for our responsive reading this morning, at the top of page 31, and uh, I'll do the worship leader, let Becky do the worshipers along with you all, and then all together at the end. Page 31, for the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name, for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. You alone are the Lord. You created the heavens, the highest heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host worships you. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. Come, Come let, let us, us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. As we continue thinking about thanksgiving and thankfulness, let's turn to hymn number 578, Rejoice Ye Pure in Heart. Let's stand together as we sing hymn 578. prayer. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know, it's kind of a slam dunk when it comes to these sort of days to talk about Thanksgiving because it's just recently on our minds. 
but we should be thankful every day. We should be thankful every Sunday. We should be thankful for the gifts that God gives us all the time, not just in this one day. But in this day, it's a good memorial for us to remember the thanksgiving for all the good things that we have. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for all the gifts you've given us, your son, our salvation, the world we live in, the wondrous things we see, all the gifts that you've given us and the bounty that, that you provide. At this time, we give back some small token of that, and we think about what you've given us so that we can be thankful every day. Amen.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this day grateful for the opportunity to be before you, to know that you are with us and that you care and that you hear every word, every thought, every intention. God, you know all and you are all. So God, we come before you this day thankful that you are a sovereign God as you are in control of a world and a universe that sometimes we see as out of control. We thank you that it's in your hands, that you have a plan for each and everything. God, we lift up this day. We thank you that you're in control of this day, that you are uh, showing us your goodness, showing us your mercy, and extending your grace to us even now. So God, we lift up this church. We thank you for each one who is here. We thank you that uh, those who are here are here for a reason and that we're here to glorify you and to hear from you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for our city, our area. We thank you for Mechanicsville. God, we pray that we would be a light in this uh, neighborhood, that we would shine for you, Lord Jesus, and that we would find opportunities each and every day as we work as we travel, as we uh, interact with one another, an, another to uh, share the love of Jesus in a way that brings you honor, brings you glory. So God, I thank you for placing us here in this, uh, in this location where we can be a light for you. God, I thank you for our country. I pray that you strengthen us in the name of Jesus, that you remind us of what kind of people we are to be under your lordship, and that, God, you have your way. So, God, we pray uh, also for the nations. We pray that we would have a passion as you have a passion for the gospel to be extended to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, and that we here even this day are part of your plan to bring your gospel to the ends of the earth. So, God, we give you the service, we give you this day, and we thank you for how good you are in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Only God. I think one, one of the things we're going to see as we open his word in this hour is that our hearts and our adoration and our gratefulness and our thanksgiving needs to be on God himself, not just for his gifts and for what he does. Only God, because he is the giver of all good gifts. And so as we have this time in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, as we approach the season of Advent, I pray that we see what it means to be uh, people of gratitude and how to adore God himself in Christ Jesus. Um, The title of this message is Relentless Trust, and I pray that as we hear his word, that we deepen our trust and our gratitude and our adoration of our Lord. Let me pray. Father God, I pray that you would open our hearts to your word, that your spirit would move, and that uh, nothing is said that is apart from you and your word, and that uh, I step aside and allow you to speak in ways in which bring yourself glory, Lord Jesus, and that changes us to be the type of people you'd have us to be. In Christ's name, amen. Brennan Manning, in his book, Ruthless Trust, had an illustration for trust. And I'm going to kind of put this as an overriding principle of what we're talking about when we talk about trust, is he defined trust as hope plus faith equals trust. Now, in the Bible, the word faith means trust many, many times. But how he worded this was, hope is believing that somebody somewhere can help you in a time of need. You have that hope. You don't know who it is. You don't know what it might be. But hope is there is a possibility somebody can help us. Faith is finding out who that hope comes from. And then you're like, wow, there is a person and their name is this and they can help me with whatever is wrong with me. And then trust is taking that final step and going before that person, allowing them to take care of whatever ails you. You put it in an illustration of a I think a dentist is probably the best illustration I can think of for this. If you have a tooth problem, there is hope that there is somebody somewhere that knows what to do with your tooth. Faith is, ah, it's a dentist, a dentist. There's some, such a thing called a dentist. And then trust is going to the dentist's office and not just going into the waiting room and saying, okay, I'm pretty close, it's going to happen. Faith leads to trust by when you go into that dentist's chair and you let the dentist have his way with your mouth to take care of the problem. That's the difference between hope, faith, and trust. And that's where we want to get when I talk about relentless trust, letting God have his way with us so much that we don't just have a hope, we don't just have a faith, but we put our lives in his hand to let him have his way with what ails us, which is our disease of sin. Luke chapter 17 is where we're going to be. And in the Gospel of Luke, Uh, it's such a blessing because Jesus is seen over and over and over again loving the outcast, loving those who are seen as in need of this world. And in our story today, Jesus does such a thing. Uh, So I am going to uh, pray once again that God speaks to us through this passage. God, open our hearts again. Luke chapter 17, 11 through verse 19, God speak as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. First 
Let's read this together. Chapter 17, verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. When Je- and then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. May God add his blessing on the reading of his word. To have relentless trust, you have to have trust in him all times. That's what the word relentless means. Never giving up despite adversity. Never giving up despite obstacles. Being relentless in your trust of God means walking with God at all times. Being relentless with him. And Jesus modeled this, and you'll see that the, the, the leper modeled this as well. In this passage, Jesus is traveling from Jerusalem or to Jerusalem, and on his way is when we see this miracle occur. Um, if, if, you, if you get a picture of it, Galilee's up here, Samaria's below Galilee, and then Jerusalem is in Judea down below. And so a lot of times, uh, you'll see people in Jesus' day would avoid Samaria altogether, and they would go the long way around just to avoid Samaritans. As you notice with Jesus, most often he went right through Samaria to uh, get to Jerusalem. It was the quicker way, and it was uh, the better way, but you had to go through a country in which there were Samaritans, and Samaritans were not seen as uh, people in whom the Jews would associate with. But Jesus says, while he was on, it says that while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. So he's going to be in an area where there are Jews and there are Samaritans. And as he entered the village on his way, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Jesus is showing us something that's just basic and important as we get to what trust is. Jesus is showing that the destination is oftentimes not the end in of itself. How you live this journey as a Christ follower shows you how relentless your trust is him. Walking with God at all times means not just I'm going to experience God when I come to church or in a Bible study or in a Sunday school class. It is I am going to see how Christ is going to work in the people around me as I go. It's, it's important because we ignore the path oftentimes because of the destination. We are just people like that. We're fixed on goals. That's where we're going to be. That's what we're going we're to go with. And his objective was to go to Jerusalem. And as he set his eyes towards Jerusalem, we know what he was going to. He was eventually going to go to the cross. And that was, that was the ultimate destination. And apart from that, we have no hope. But on his way, he modeled how we are to live as his followers. So as he was passing through, he enters a village and 10 leprous men stood at a distance, met him. Now, leprosy in the Bible is an is a important disease for us to understand. One, because it, is a hori- it was a horrific skin disease. There's all kinds of forms of leprosy. Probably the most common is now called Hansen's disease and is probably likely what these men had. But leprosy was seen as 
a punishment for sin. They had leprosy because God's favor was not being bestowed upon them, and they were being punished for whatever. And they were just cast to the very edge of society. And you see this very clearly. They were told, you can't go within 50 yards of a person so that you don't communicate your disease with them. So they were contagious. They stayed at a distance. Everywhere they would go, if they saw somebody who did not have leprosy, they would have to shout at the top of their voice. And a lot of times... Their voice didn't shout really well because of their disease, but they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, and they had to wear torn clothes and have their head exposed so people could see that's a leper. Terrible existence, a horrible existence. In the Bible, it's, it's one of the worst forms of existence there was. And what you see here is they had hope. And that's a great picture because... How did they get hope? This is, this is, this is a, 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 a starting point that sometimes we forget. How did they get hope? How did they know Jesus, Master, have mercy? How did they know about Jesus all? Well, here, here's a theory. Well, maybe more than a theory. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, a few weeks ago. Gretchen was at this veterinarian con- conference. They wouldn't allow me into the conference because I was not one of them. And so I spent my time wandering around the streets of downtown Raleigh. She doesn't feel bad about that because she gave me lunch when we had breaks and stuff. I was wandering the streets, and as I was wandering the streets, an interesting thing happened. I came across a whole bunch of homeless gentlemen, and I was sort of in between. I was just kind of talking with them for a little bit and seeing how the day was. It was kind of a chilly day. And then another gentleman came up from the road, and he saw that there was these homeless guys together. And he started to talk with them, and I was just sort of eavesdropping at this point. And he was like, I'm new to Raleigh, I'm homeless, you guys, you know any way I can get help? Any, any, how, what kind of? And these guys rose to the occasion, and I was just taking notes. They were like, oh yeah, it, it, let me help you out. He, they brought them in, they actually touched them, they brought them in. Here, it, here's where I go, when I get really hungry, this church over here will help. When I'm really cold, these guys will give you a coat. And I was watching this, and I was like, they were looking out for a stranger who was now one of them. These leprous men had that same community. Together, there was a word of mouth that they couldn't associate with other people, but with each other, they developed a community. And in this community, word was spread. There was a guy named Jesus, and he healed one of us. That was it. Word spread because they were tight community. And as word spread, all of a sudden, As it happened to be, Jesus is in their village. Can you imagine the excitement of 10 people who have heard rumors, had had heard about this hope, and this hope has a name, his name is Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus is in their midst. So together, they're like, we're going to put our hope in this Jesus. And they do their 50 yards, and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Leprosy taken them and was taking their very lives as it starts with a skin, uh, a paleness in the skin, which becomes uh, a, a sore, which becomes an infected sore on top of a sore. You live your entire existence with a high fever. Can you imagine? You start to have your extremities without feeling, and then you start to lose your extremities from your fingers to your ears to your nose to your toes until eventually you'll lose hands and feet, and you have no hope. It's the worst of the worst. 
And they had hope because they heard about Jesus healing this man from leprosy. And so they put some faith in saying, now Jesus could be, let's do this right. 50 yards, we'll cry out. And they called him, Master, have mercy on us. They had an expectation. And their expectation sometimes doesn't go the way that we expect. Um, Look at verse 14. After they raise their voices, they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus saw them, verse 14, and he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Jesus did not what they had hoped or expected. And that's trust. This is where trust comes right into it. Instead of, come on over, guys, giving them a big hug, saying, I love you guys. I'm going to heal you of your leprosy. He doesn't even, he almost dismisses it. He's like, ah, go show yourself to the priests. He didn't really dismiss it, as we know from the story. But in their minds, they're like, this is not what I expected. I didn't expect Jesus to say, keep walking the other direction. We expected to come to to Jesus, and and he's going to do something incredible. He just says, go, show yourself to the priest. Now, the lepers knew what that meant. The only way they're going to get integrated back into society is by going to the priest, and the priest marks them as cleansed, which is an interesting side job the priests had, by the way. When you think about that, they were also part doctor. They got the opportunity to proclaim cleansing on someone who's a leper if they're clean from leprosy. Then they could go back into society. So they knew the only way they're going to get back into the world is to go to the priest, but everybody would have told them that. And they're not going to show up at the priest with leprosy because what's going to happen? The priest is going to say, you have leprosy. It's obvious. But, But they had hope and they had faith and they put their trust in Jesus. It says at the end of that verse, as they were going, they were cleansed. My guess is they had a little talk. We don't know. They probably got together and they're like, that's not what we thought. They huddled up and they're like, yeah, if we go to the priest, it might not work. I don't know. But this is Jesus. He's our, he's our hope. Let's just start walking. As they were walking, they were cleansed. As they were going, just like as Jesus was traveling around, he found ways to minister, not just as a destination. The priest wasn't the destination, it turns out. Their, their, their trust in following Jesus' command was the difference. That's what healed them. It wasn't the priests. So as they're going, they were cleansed. And you could imagine, now, there is... There is differing opinions with scholars on this next verse. But you can imagine at this moment the shock. Ten guys with leprosy who have no hope in life have hope, and they now are cured. They are probably stunned in disbelief and celebrating what just had happened. This is... um, I think, sadly, where most of us end our trust or our gratitude with Christ. Once we've received our salvation, once we've received our faith, once we've received this gift of eternal life, we are grateful for that gift, but we stop really loving on Jesus like we should because he is the only reason that gift ever happened. There is no cross apart from Jesus' love and Jesus himself. 
So with the cross, we turn all of our joy and our adoration and our gratefulness to Jesus himself, not just the cross. It's like you, if, if I'm from Colorado, when I look at the mountains, if I'm like, man, those mountains, they're fantastic. That doesn't give the God who created the mountains glory. I have to see the mountains and worship the God who made the mountains. These 10 lepers are going, they're cleansed, they've been given a gift that's better than any gift they've ever been given. Verse 15, now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. This is where the scholars say, we don't know for sure. But the 10 were going to the priests. Some people will say, all 10 celebrated their, their healing, went to the priest, were integrated back into society. The one went all the way back to find Jesus and thank him. That's certainly a possibility. Also, it could be the one Samaritan was so stunned by what happened and so not taking for granted the giver of this gift that he turned and hightailed it back to Jesus. Either way, the one shows us how we are to be. When we put ourselves in this story, trust is relentless in its gratitude. Constant gratitude towards the giver, not just the gift. There's an Audi commercial I saw twice now. Bryson's already smiling. Some of you are smiling who were in the Bible study last Wednesday. If you drive an Audi, please don't be offended. Or do, I don't know. The commercial is some really nice, nice people and just all the words. They dress nice. They have beautiful smiles. They're attractive people. And they're carrying these trays of food. Uh, they're, getting, they're going into like what seems to be a, a shelter or someplace like that over the holiday season. Piano music is playing in the background like Linda. Da, 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 da. And as they're going in, they open the door, big smiles. Everybody's so excited. And then the announcer comes on and says, for those who... Give their very best. You deserve the very best. Audi. I literally walked out of my office and just wandered the streets. I just was like, what did I just watch? It was on my computer. My I didn't wander the streets. I wandered the church. We can see that we are not grateful to the giver like we should be because we are so grateful for the gift or what we think we deserve when something we do something good. And this is just where the culture comes in. Audi has put out a precedent that when you give something, well, then you, you, you're going to get something really special in return. And that's not, that's not how it works at all. That's not trust. That's not trust at all times. And it's just the opposite. But I think that's where we go. That's, that's why we, as Christ followers, become entitled or feeling like we deserve everything because we've received this gift and we have just forgotten that it doesn't mean that you're supposed to just get more gifts. You're supposed to just turn it to Christ and eternal gratitude towards him. So relentless trust is constant gratitude towards the giver, not just for the gift. The others, well, look at verse 15 before we get to the others. When he was healed, he turned back. He glorified God with a loud voice. He no longer cared what anybody thought about him. He turned and was so thrilled with the God who had healed him, not the, the healing. And that's a, a, a massive next step in his trust. Then Jesus, or sorry, then he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. He was a Samaritan. He expressed it by being face down 
in the dirt. That's gratitude. And I think a lot of times what we do is we touch on politeness. And, uh, and we don't want others to think that we are just in complete awe of Jesus. We want to thank you, Jesus, for doing good things for me. But how many of us, after a worship service, hightail it down front and just go face first? Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We don't do that very often. Paula, is Paula here? Hey, Paula. Paula was in our encounter service, I don't know, a week ago. And uh, you said something that was interesting. One of the reasons we don't see people coming up front is because the perception is that that person's done something bad. We have to change that perception. We should be in our hearts and in God and our spirit. When somebody comes down and is face down or kneeling at the altar before an awesome God, you should be a person who says, why am I not doing that? It's not a problem. It's not a weakness. It's a sign of where you should be as a follower of Christ. And the one who got this was the Samaritan. And this, this says everything. To us as the church today, if somebody is not a Christ follower and they're more grateful for the things that Christ has done than you are, there's a huge problem. And if you aren't marked with a gratitude towards Jesus, far and above anybody who doesn't know Jesus, there's a problem. We should be living our lives in such devotion and adoration of God that we don't care what anybody thinks. And they're going to say, and they're gonna be, that person's a little bit extreme because they are so devoted to Jesus. And we should be like, that is so good. I want to be that person. I'm next. I think the face down is, is the best biblical picture. And we don't do that. We'll maybe, we'll maybe kneel sometimes. But boy, we don't come face down because that is really a sign of low. And it's just the opposite. It's a sign of be, exalting God to the place where he should be. The others missed it. That's the point here. Nine Jews, probably, knowing this was a, a, a Samaritan-only group. Jesus says, verse 17, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? He's saying this because there was probably a scene going on when this guy came running back, screaming a loud voice, glorifying God. He was like, where are the other nine? Those other nine were healed. Those other nine went to the priest. And we're not even saying that those other nine didn't have some sort of faith, although there is a probability they did not. But he is saying to us today, where, where are we in our trust and in our gratitude towards God? The church today has to be marked by this. And I have a, a scary feeling that most of the times God is like, where, where is your gratitude, church? Where is your devotion? Where's everybody else? Because it stands out just like this guy stood out. And so Jesus calls out the Jews who were his people, and they said, where are the other nine? I uh, went to the uh, dentist. I have a dentist problem. I don't like them. If you're a dentist, I apologize. I'm just stepping on toes. A few years ago, it was Thanksgiving time. I had this surgery. I don't know what you call it. Torture. <laughs> you go in, and they cut out the top of your mouth, 
and they adhere that tissue to your gums when you have receding gums. You know, there's some people shaking their heads. So my dentist says, you need to do this. And uh, at first I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I had hope, I had faith. I went to the, whatever they call him, horrible guy. And he, I had to stay awake for it. He just numbed it. He cut off the top of my mouth, sewed it on. Like, it's, not, it's not too bad. I go home, couldn't eat Thanksgiving dinner that year. And it didn't adhere. So I had bleeding and pain and all this stuff. And they said, go back. I went back second time. Same thing, cut off more of my mouth. Apparently, they don't do it this way anymore, which is hope for some. Cut off more of my mouth, put it on my gums again, went back. It didn't adhere again. Third time, you still need to have this done, Dwight. It's going to take. I go back, cut off the top of my mouth, put it on there again, didn't adhere. At that point, I said, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. Sometimes when you put your trust in something, it doesn't go your way. But you still have to put your trust in something. And I know that whatever's going on here is not going to be fixed because every time I go to the dentist, they're like, Dwight, you need to have this done. Dwight, you don't want to lose these teeth. Dwight, you have to have this done. I know I have to do it, and that's trust. But I don't want to because I know how horrible it was. With, with this story, they got what they wanted, and they still didn't come back. One guy got what he wanted and realized the bigger picture and found faith. Where are they? No one found gave glory to God himself, not the gift, to God himself, except this foreigner. Verse 19, he said to him, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. He affirms faith in this guy over the others. And the final part of this has to be, it's because ingratitude is an insult to God. You don't trust God if you're not grateful for everything, whether it's good and it goes your way, whether it's bad and the surgery doesn't take. I had Jay Thompson come up to me afterwards in the last service, and he told me a story about the same thing he's wrestling with. He's like, I know I need to go to the doctor, but I don't want to do it. This is how we are with God. We know he's our only hope, but we don't take everything to him, and we're not just open and honest and in awe of him like we should be. And so we keep stuff to ourselves that we shouldn't because we're like not sure he can do it. God can, and whatever happens, we can't complain. That's a mark of trust. No matter what happens, we don't complain. When Jesus healed this man, he glorified God. He got on his face before him, and he was given faith to make him well in a way that a physical healing could not. Trust is a treasure to God. Relentless trust says, I'm not going to turn my back on God when things don't go my way. And when things do, I'm not going to take the gift and run around and embrace that gift. I'm going to give it right to God for whom he deserves. As we lead from Thanksgiving into Christmas, we've got a culture of people who are thankful for gifts 
and are slighting the giver. As a church, we need to come together and be mindful of what relentless trust is, what unwavering trust is. And we need to be people every single time God works, which he works in every single way. We need to turn and we need to run back to him, fall on our face, and give him glory. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth and the way that your spirit convicts each and every one of us. God, we acknowledge that we are so often like those nine who have been given so much, who have been given salvation, and we take it for granted. So God, I pray that each one of us here do not take you for granted at this moment, that we are reminded of the healing which you have given us of our sin and of our desperate need of you, and that you have given us more than we deserve, and what you deserve is our devotion our gratitude, and our trust. God, I pray that um, as we respond to your word, that we would not be people who allow what somebody else is going to think about us to determine what we do. God, you move as you see fit, whether it be working on somebody's heart right where they're at, whether it be having somebody come forward and kneeling at the altar or getting on their face before you, God. And God, I pray that our church would be marked with a devotion to you that the world is stunned by because our gratitude is overwhelming. Lord Jesus, we pray during this time of response that your spirit move and you don't leave one of us where we are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you grab your hymnals and turn to page 433, I Surrender All. And I would ask um, that you be obedient to what God calls you to do. And I'm not saying you have to come forward. And I'm not saying you have to do anything. But if God calls you and says, you know what, why am I embarrassed if I want to come up and pray? Then this would be an opportunity to say, who cares what anybody thinks I'm going to pray? Or where you're at, if God is doing business on your heart, you, while everybody else is standing, you can just bow your head and say, God, work on me right now, right this one. If you've never received that gift of faith from Christ, and you know you don't, you don't have the gratitude you need to have because Christ isn't in you, you need to come and respond to the gospel. The last thing we want to do is just stay there and act like we don't have someone to be grateful to and for. Let us sing.
Wonderful hymn. All to thee, my blessed Savior. Every bit of our love and trust and gratefulness goes to him himself, not just for what he gives. All to thee. And that's, that's surrender. That's, that's a part of trust. It's letting that dentist have his way with you in the chair. There's surrender to that. Let God have his way in your life and be a person who devotes it back to him for his goodness. Amen? Let me say a prayer and we will be dismissed. Father God, we do thank you for uh, who you are. Hey, thank you for reminding us from your word how much you love us and reminding us of what an insult ingratitude is. So God, may we trust you more. May we follow you more. May we seek you more. May we go where you want to go. So God, we thank you for this day and for this service. In Jesus' name, amen.